0: no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply daily premier league action and reaction this is football social daily
1: Clear your calendars because we're going down to the final day. Sunday at 4pm is when the Premier League title will be decided after Liverpool ensured the race goes right to the wire. Jurgen Klopp's much-changed side beat Southampton 2-1 last night to set up a final day showdown with the Reds facing Wolves at Anfield, while City welcome Aston Villa, managed by Steven Gerrard, of course. Will we have another Aguero moment 10 years on? That was a moment of huge significance back in 2012, and so too was the news this week that young Blackpool player Jake Daniels announced that he was gay, the first player in English football to do so for more than 30 years. A big moment in modern football, and we'll discuss just how important that is very shortly. Plus, more juicy backpage gossip to get stuck into on today's show, as West Ham, Watford, Brighton and Leicester are all involved in today's transfer roundup. Welcome to Football Social Daily, the award-winning Premier League podcast with a new episode every single day of the season. A season which is almost over now, but you can still hit subscribe and that way you won't miss a thing. My name's Niall McCorn and alongside me today, Manchester City fan Matt Pidd, who was inducted last night as an honorary member of the (laughs) Anti-Southampton Club. Hiya Matt, how are you
2: doing? I'm okay, mate. My head's sort of cooled down since last night. Yeah, it's not as bad. Um, I had a couple of anadin before I went to sleep. And, yeah, But the mood's not gone, though. The mood's still there. The headache might have disappeared, but the mood's still there.
1: Well, welcome on board to the anti-Southampton Brigade. It's good to have you with us, mate. <laughs> and of course, it's that time of the season where managers start handing out debuts. So we're going to follow suit. as also with us on today's show for the very first time
3: is broadcaster and journalist Christian Hugill. How are you, Christian? Hello, mate. I'm very well. well let Leicester's manager, Brendan Rodgers, gave Danny Ward a run out in the Premier League uh, (laughs) last weekend. So I feel like that. I'm getting a nice little run out towards the end of the season I appreciate it
1: if Danny Ward can get a run out you can definitely get a run out I'm sure you should be should be hanging outside King Power Stadium just in case
3: <laughs> you didn't see me playing goal at school mate you wouldn't say that then
1: <laughs> well I had a moment of brief panic when I introduced you there as I thought you were going to say that you actually are a Southampton fan but I'm quite glad that that's not the
3: case no although I'm very much pro the Southampton Brigade if Matt's anti I'm pro only because I enjoyed beating them 9-0 and will reference it at any given moment yeah so now give me
2: 9 goals didn't <laughs> at
3: least once a season to someone.
1: <laughs> well, I'm very glad of that moment as well, but it is down on the South Coast where we're going to focus at the start of today's podcast as last night in the Premier League, Southampton lost 2-1 to Liverpool, and Liverpool needed to avoid defeat in order to take the title race to the final day. Even a draw would have been enough to do that, but they did win by two goals to one. They made significant changes, didn't they, Christian? We thought Jurgen Klopp might do that, but they still got the job done, and even without Salah, without Mane, and Van Dijk also absent, they managed to win, which I guess was no real surprise.
3: No, and you just kind of thought they would. I I was following the game, I was working, so I wasn't, I hadn't got it on, but I don't know. For some reason, Matt won't thank me for saying this, but when when Man City were 2-0 down at West Ham, you thought, hello. <laughs> but against Southampton, I just kind of thought, I just think they've got that... The Liverpool seem to have that swagger about them at the moment. It's that I, I don't know if you... I don't like to mention it, but Leicester won the Premier League once. And when we did, when we went a goal down, they had that, I described it as arrogance, that you just kind of thought, yeah... That we, we will get back in this. And sometimes we made life difficult, but we did. And I've just watching Liverpool in recent weeks think they, they just seem to have hit that stride. They just seem to be in that flow. They just seem to be in that moment that I, I was never too worried for them last night. I'm sure if you're a Liverpool fan, it was nowhere near as easy to have that confidence. Yeah, certainly when
1: Southampton took the lead through Nathan Redmond, which was a really good strike curling into the far corner. I think that's his first goal of the season or something like that he he certainly hasn't been that involved as many Southampton fans would have liked but Minamino scored the equaliser for Liverpool after Southampton went ahead yet he didn't celebrate his goal what do you make of that Matt he only played 10 games on loan for Southampton last season he's just scored a huge goal in the title race I'm not sure I'm on board with this you know I think with the magnitude of that goal and how important it was to his team I would have been all over
2: the place celebrating to be honest, until Martin Tyler mentioned that he was on loan at Southampton, I'd completely forgotten that he was on loan <laughs> at Southampton. That's how little I knew about it. Yeah, I was thinking to myself, like, why is he not celebrating? I thought, is it offside? Is he is it he, is there he gonna be VAR involved? Does he think it's gonna be disallowed? And then Martin Tyler would say he's put his hands up out of respect for Southampton. I thought Hang on a minute, did he actually play for Southampton at some point? And then, yeah, he said, said he spent the, the uh, last bits of last season on loan there. But, do you know, it says a lot about him as a player. He's just got the utmost respect for any sort of former club he'll ever come up against, whether he's been there for, you know, like years like he was at Salzburg or whether he was there for months like he was at Southampton. And, you know, absolute testament to him as a player because he's got 13 goals this season and it's his, that was his first start in the Premier League since, I think, he played for Southampton. So a lot of his goals have come in the cup competitions, which obviously Liverpool have won both domestic ones now. So he's had a massive part to play in where they are in the position they are in this season. So fair play to Minimino. He's been been a decent squad player. I think he's like sixth on their list of um, forward players and I think he was like they was saying Origi's number seven so I can't believe that like, Liverpool have got so many forward players at their disposal there but it's like Man City with midfielders isn't it really we've just got too many midfielders they've got too many forwards and I'll be surprised if he's if he's still there next season because I think he's a player that can go and do bits at another Premier League club you know like a Wolves or something like that I think I think he's got something or maybe even a Leicester you know Chris I don't know what you think think about that but um, yeah he's he's got quality and he can produce moments like that in, in big games and yeah he's Done so um, this season. I was just going to say it's fascinating, isn't it? Because you talk about the clubs like Wolves and Leicester and you talk about teams that
3: try and make an impact in the cup competitions or whatever. That's what you're up against, isn't it? When you've got squad players like that who you just reeled off those stats, how impressive are those stats for someone who's only started one Premier League game? That's what you're up against when you're one of the smaller teams. And that's, you know, I mean, I, I feel we're lucky to be watching Liverpool and Man City this year. I think they're phenomenal teams phenomenal units and what a squad that is I just think it's hugely impressive and yeah it depends on what you don't know what the player wants do you maybe he's really happy with that role and being in and around a coach like Jurgen Klopp in a setup like Liverpool or maybe he fancies his chances of going and getting 30 Premier League starts I'd be really interested to know the player's mindset because I imagine it differs from player to player in that sort of circumstance
1: I totally agree it does show the depth of the squad I mean the stats you mentioned there certainly highlight that I'm not sure about the celebration or lack thereof though. I spoke to a former Premier League striker earlier this season and he said that he would celebrate every goal no matter who it was against because it might have been his last and I thought that was a really interesting (laughs) take actually um, because you never know when your last goal is going to be. Certainly Joel Matip doesn't know when his next goal is going to be despite the fact he's been in amongst them recently. It was a rather strange header that managed to make it 2-1 to Liverpool Uh, and after that Christian, Southampton didn't really get anywhere near Liverpool, much to the frustration of the Man City fans watching, as I'm sure Matt will allude to
3: shortly. No, and you, it's, I've watched the highlights and you, you are watching them going, come on, just get into them a little bit. And I think that <laughs> I've got nothing against Liverpool, nothing against Man City. I'm a real neutral in this title race. But I think most neutrals get to this point in the season and you like seeing the twists and turns, don't you? The Aguero moments, as you said. And therefore, when you're watching from that neutral perspective, you're like, come on, have a, you know, get into them a little bit. Uh, I, I imagine that's how Southampton fans must be feeling as well. So you're sort of weirdly frustrated, even though you've got no passionate involvement in the game, being like, oh, come on, you know, there must be a bit more to you than that. Uh, n- nothing against Southampton, but we, we've we seen them do that before as well. They are a side that you wonder sometimes, mentality-wise, whether certain games, they have, that's that's kind of it for this game. And yeah, I, I, I didn't think they'd got the, mentality to dig in and go and push liverpool any further last night
1: yeah i mean how come that frustrated you so much matt um southampton have had a a peculiar season because in some of the games actually against the bigger teams they've performed quite well and i remember you mentioning that the games that they've had against manchester city your team this season they've actually given you a really good game so what frustrated you so much about last night's game
2: do you know what it was? It was after we drew against West Ham on Sunday, you had all the pundits in the Sky studio going, it's going to go down to the final game of the season now. And I'm thinking, hang on a minute, they're playing Southampton on Tuesday. We could be champions by them if if they beat them. So I don't know why they're sort of like overlooking them. And then I'm thinking to myself, that must be spurring the Southampton players on. It must be spurring Ralph Harsenhutl on because they've just been sort of disregarded. They've been forgotten about and... I was reading Ralph Alsen, who was like pre-match comments saying this is our cup final, this is our Champions League final, we want to have a say in where the title goes at the end of the season, we want to be a part of this story and after five minutes Ralph I actually believed you, You you, you, reeled, you reeled me in Ralph and then after that I don't know whether it was some sort of sick joke on your part but your players just give up. <laughs> they give up. Redmond put them 1 0 up after five minutes, and then it was all of a sudden just like, come on, lads, do you, you want to come and score maybe one, two, three? Maybe get the goal difference up. Do you know what I mean? And it was so to performance, it was so lackluster. Even the Southampton fans were booing them. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing because the, the the team that that turned up against us was like watching another version of Liverpool. When you watch Southampton, you might not have the same quality as Liverpool's or Man City's, but they always match you for effort and they always match you for running. So I just couldn't believe what I was watching last night. I seen Breuer like like going mad at the you know he was getting no service up at the top. They were stood there two banks of four in front of Liverpool, and just inviting them. And this is a Liverpool team, by the way, that made nine changes from the FA Cup final are very much weakened Liverpool side I'm not saying that they didn't still have quality on the pitch because they did but I just thought I was sat there and it was like after Matip had put them 2-1 up I thought this is game over and there's still half an hour to play so you know what I'm going to switch on Nottingham Forest and Sheffield United and I'm not going to lose my temper anymore but it left a really bad taste in my mouth last night because considering how they turned up against us and I, had, I actually had Southampton fans apologising to me on Twitter last night because I went on a bit of a tirade saying, oh, you get relegated next season, you're a disgrace. I can't <laughs> believe that you've not even bothered to turn up against Liverpool when they've got nine changes and you could have a say in the Premier League title race, oh, it's OK, we'll turn up against City, but when it gets against Liverpool, come on, lads, how many do you want? Do you know what I mean? That was just how I felt last night. And it's it was the same amongst other Man City fans. But yeah, yeah, Sky got what they wanted. They got, their, uh, they got the, the, the dramatic final day. And um, yeah, so we've been here now, What? this is the fourth time, this is going to be involving us on the final game of the season, in the title race, we've won three of those, it's the ninth time in Premier League history it's happened, so we've been here, we've got the experience, we've got home advantage, but there's a couple of little subplots (laughs) that sort of like make me a little bit jittery, can Gerrard finally win the Premier League for Liverpool, Coutinho always scores against City in big games. Yeah, it's it's a nervy one. Is it going to be typical City? I just, I, I, it's ten years on from the Aguero moment. Oh God, I'm going to need a drink, Sunder.
1: You'll be excused if you want to open the door and go for a walk now, Matt. To be honest,
2: are you feeling the pressure uh, by any chance? Do you, <laughs> uh, do you know what, mate? But do you know what? I feel so much better now <laughs> because I was sat. I live on my own, me, and I was sat there and my cats were looking at me like, just calm down. <laughs> Stop screaming at the telly. And I'm I'm thinking to myself, oh God, I need to go for a walk. But it was like, it was too late for that so uh. far. I'm going to get in bed and I'm going to take some in and then I'm going to wake up tomorrow with a fresh perspective. And as soon as, you know, when you wake up and you're still fuming and you get up with, a, with, with a, 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 that, like a bit of a stomp in your step. And I thought, oh, no, I can't wait to get on the podcast. I can't wait to get on the podcast and just go absolutely through Southampton.
1: <laughs> well, I think <sighs> you've done your job. Um, i brief. Football social daily
2: therapy for, for Matt on today's show. Apologies to any Southampton fans listening, by the way, but your team was absolutely what? poor last night and you deserved it.
3: Matt, this is what I was about to say, because before you spoke, there's me saying, questioning the, their mentality and, and mentality, and saying they've got that in them from time to time. And I'm sat there thinking, first appearance on the pod, I don't want to upset Southampton fans too much by questioning the mentality. I'll be slightly careful what I say. Oh, I, don't think it, I was going to say, I don't think I've got too much to worry about.
1: <laughs> well, I'm no, a, I'm a Portsmouth it. fan and Matt's just absolutely laid into Southampton. So I'm, I'm pretty sure yeah. we can leave it there. We can leave it there. And Matt's mentioned uh, Sunday, the final day, 22nd of May, four o'clock kickoff for all of the games, Christian. And looking ahead to that final day, Do you think recent events from a City perspective, for instance, that game in the Champions League against Real Madrid where it all went belly up towards the end with those late goals, do you think that will cause any concerns amongst the City squad if things aren't going to plan against Villa or will, like what Matt said, the fact that they've got experience in this situation in the past help them?
3: I I find the mentality of football fascinating. It goes back to what we were saying against Southampton. Then if you are a team, in a mid-table team, you want to see your players have a go, and it comes into mentality. And you mentioned, obviously, the Champions League. You do wonder what impact that will have. I'm fascinated by it. This is where coaches earn their money, because Pep Guardiola has got to try and get into his players that that game and that experience needs to be left in the past. Now, the, the comeback against West Ham to get a point suggests that that's within them i'm fascinated to know whether or not you do as a player and, and matt i've interested in your thoughts on this but if it's 70 minutes and it's not going your way or flip that if it's 70 minutes and it is going your way well what's gonna be in the heads do you start to get nervous about times gone by i'm imagining it's different for player to player but, but the mentality in a situation like this is huge. And I think that's why Guardiola and Klopp are a cut above in terms of managers now, certainly uh, as opposed to the Mourinho, because the, the mentality is so important and you really feel that they can connect to their players mm. with with that mentality. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely does. And Matt, just quickly from you, we're not going to hear from you before Sunday. So how are you feeling?
2: Um, as Majority of Manchester City fans are feeling we're, um, we're 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 very 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 nervous about it, and it's because of things that have happened in the past. And I mean, it's easy for like well not easy but Pep Guardiola and the players since the Real Madrid result, um, the the results in the Premier League have shown the character that they have and the mentality that they they have. And they, I think they'll be absolutely fine, they'll be cool, cool as cucumbers, I think they'll, they knew what was coming anyway, they just had a job to do, it was always going to come to this point where we had to beat Villa on the final game of the season anyway, but sometimes you just feel like the stars are aligning, and like I was talking about the little subplots in between, and plus there's the Grealish thing, are Villa going to want to stop Grealish from lifting the Premier League in front of them, the very reason why he left Aston Villa in the first place to go and actually win trophies, so these these little things that sort of just get me a little bit more more nervous than I normally would be. Because like I said, I've seen this three times over the last decade. I've seen us get to the final game of the season and have, you know, this this sort of like playoff. Like we've had it against Brighton, we've had it against West Ham, we've had it against QPR and it doesn't matter who you're playing against something just seems to to happen like cuz I remember against Brighton Glenn Murray put us uh, put us 1-0 down and then Liverpool scored and like you were saying there Christian if we've like say you not know, 20 minutes to go we're drawing 0-0 and Liverpool are beating Wolves 3-0 you you got to feel the anxiety from the crowd and it that can spread to the players and the players can start doing something that's like not normally like within their sort of like dna they can start doing things that they wouldn't normally do so I just hope, I hope that the players just go out there, don't focus on what they're doing, don't focus on what Liverpool are doing, don't listen to the crowd if you can feel a little bit of um, sort of anxiety coming. Just do your job and I mean we've seen this season that City just like, especially at home, I mean we've, we've dropped points to Palace and, and to Southampton at home but um, it seems to be a different beast there totally. So as a fan... Absolutely nervous. I'm dreading it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be drunk before kickoff. It's just, the, <laughs> just, 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 just in case the the worst does happen and it doesn't hurt until the next day properly. And I think the players will be relishing the experience and relishing possibly lift, lifting the Premier League trophy in front of a full house at the Etihad.
1: Enjoy the final day responsibly. But before you do that, make sure you do subscribe to Football Social Daily because on Friday night, it will be the final dugout show of the season where we're joined by former Premier League professionals. Trevor Stephen will be alongside me. won the title in the 80s with Everton. Will the Toffees stay up this season? It's still all yet to be decided in the top flight exciting times. And so much to talk about still on this show. We're going to take a short break now. But next, we're going to talk about one of the biggest stories in football, In years. It comes from Blackpool, of all places, and we'll talk about it next.
0: Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse, carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see, we could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade Two.
2: Play it now with Game Pass. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com.
0: It's my little escape.
2: Now Judy's the life of the party.
0: Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon.
2: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs>
1: Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, Sports Social's award-winning Premier League podcast. Now, we are a Premier League show, but there was a massive story in football this week, and it comes from Blackpool Football Club in the Championship, where their young 17-year-old player, Jake Daniels, announced that he's gay. And in doing so, he becomes the first openly gay player in the EFL, and the first to come out in English professional football since Justin Fashionu in 1990. It's a huge moment for football and a huge moment for the LGBT plus community. Really happy to say that Christian Hugill's with us on today's show, and Christian's a member of that very community. I'd really like to get your thoughts and your take on this, Christian, because I've seen so many people say, so what? Why is it such a big deal?
3: It'd be really great to hear why exactly it is a big deal. So, um, I was a Leicester City season ticket holder as a kid. I used to go week in, week out. The football dominated my life when I wasn't at the football I was looking forward to the next time I'm going to the football that is something that will ring true with loads of people listening to this and both of you guys too um it was around age 14 where I started having uh thoughts that I might be gay and it terrified me it absolutely terrified me and there was two big reasons why at the time, I'm 30 now, so we're going back about 15 years. There was two big reasons why I felt, and, and this was my attitude at the time, well, I can't be, so we'll push this to one side and forget it. I, I just can't be. Uh, well, I, I'm a massive motorsport fan, and I was fortunate enough to be racing in karts at uh, national level at the time. Um, and also, when I wasn't racing, I was, uh, as I say, I was a, I was at the football. So I was massively involved in sport, and I believed... At the time, well, I can't be gay because I'm involved in sport and it's just not what you see. And a big part of that was, um, used to go to the King Power or the Walker Stadium as it was then week in, week out. And you would hear, and Leicester were no worse than anyone else. Not, you know, Leicester are a phenomenal football club to deal with this sort of thing. No blame being pinned on Leicester at all. But you would hear, you don't need me to say the words, if a player goes down easily. Uh, if you're going to give certain stick to the ref, certain players with certain haircuts, whatever. You would hear casual homophobia week in week out and it made me sit and think and I vividly remember the thoughts I remember hearing one bloke use an awful word behind me and then me thinking well oh, that's it I mean <laughs> I can't do this can I this these worlds don't align um and then fast forward 10 years later I, I joined Radio 1 I, I'm a presenter on Newsbeat uh and I do a lot of sport and when uh i started doing that and obviously quite a lot of people listen to radio one and the the lovely people at fox's prides leicester's lgbt fan group said to me would you like to be a patron and it meant the world to me because they said well well, listen you know uh hearing a gay person do the sport on radio one will make an impact to people and we should highlight that and it kind of made me think well yeah i was a big radio one listener as a kid and if the if the if I had known that the sport presenter at the time was gay, then well, he wasn't. But, you know, if he if he was, then it would have made a difference to me. and think, OK, well, maybe you can be gay in this environment. Having positive role models in sport is massive. To see, I remember Tom Daly being once asked, well, should you boycott the World Championships in Russia? And he said, well, no, because how much better would it be for me to go and stand on the top of the diving board and win the gold medal instead as, a, as an out gay athlete? And then you look at that and you think, I can be gay in a sports person, I can be gay in whatever I like. There will be, it's better now than it was 15 years ago. Of course, we've made progress, but you still hear homophobia at football. I went to Arsenal versus Leicester City about a month ago, I heard two examples of homophobia. You still hear it all the time, and for that reason, you will still be getting 14, 15-year-olds, younger, slightly older going to the football going, I just can't do it. You'll still hear homophobic banter in Sunday league games up and down the country and there'll be players playing in those games going, I just just can't do it. So to have someone... The top level of English football, footballer, English professional footballer, granted in the championship, not the Premier League, but you know what I mean, to have someone at a higher level of professional football who can say, by the way, I'm a professional footballer and I'm gay. It reminds people, I didn't come out for five years after I thought, well, six years after I first thought it might be the case. I literally went through five or six years of torturing myself. I'd have saved a lot of money on therapy had I had been able to go... Yeah, you know what? You can be gay in football. And Jake Daniel's phenomenal bravery shows that, that you can be gay and be anything you want to be. And that's why it's important.
1: Yeah, and absolutely right to pinpoint the fact that he's 17 years of age in an environment which, as you've highlighted on a number of occasions there, has had elements of homophobia throughout its history. And I think that you use the term role model," and that's absolutely right. He says himself he wants to be a reference point, Christian, for younger athletes or people in the future to feel that they can come out and it shouldn't be a decision which is kept within purely because of fear of how it might be received. How significant is that? How much of a turning point is this in football? do you think
3: well, two questions it's it's significant because, as i say it's it's that it is that reference point. It is that person to think I can be like him. And I, I don't know whether he knows how many people it would help, but I, I uh was I was asked to present a podcast called Five Minutes On for the BBC yesterday, where where they look at a different topic every day and they looked at this particular topic yesterday. And it was only when I was talking that I felt myself welling up and it was like, Oh god, this was unexpected. Yesterday I saw this and I thought, Oh, that's lovely, but I didn't. I I, I sort of welling up as I was talking about it. And I I think I started welling up because I realised if there was someone like Jake around when I was a kid, it would have made such a difference. So that's why it's significant. As for whether it's going to be a turning point, um, I think it's it's too early to say. um, What Blackpool fans, you know, you've got a responsibility now, Blackpool fans, to really get behind the lad, to roar when he comes onto the pitch. Because trust me, it takes a lot of balls to put the LGBT flag in a Twitter profile when you're on the radio, let alone when you're a seventeen year old playing in the championship. If he, the thing that's always worried me is. What if he has a downturn in form? Do, do the play? Do the fans get on his back? Then, uh, you know, what happens if? Because we see, we see footballers struggling to deal with racism uh, on the pitch. There is still we're very good in this country of going. Oh, there's problems when you go to a Champions League match in Poland or somewhere. But look, listen, you know, we've seen examples of racism in this country time and time again, online and in games. What happens if he has to go through that? So there's a lot of questions now we we need as a football community as fans who are in the terraces as people on social media to to back him and and you know get behind him and uh, and and point out to stewards at games if there's awful chanting to report these accounts on social media because we want it to be a turning point but we will now see won't we we will see how well the wider football world accepts him Gary Lineker was turning around saying I think he'll be universally accepted I hope Gary's right. I I don't know if he is, but I hope he is. And we're about to find out.
1: Yeah, I mean, if I put my cynical hat on here, obviously Jake himself must feel a huge weight has been lifted and even said, you know, it's it's so nice that he can just be himself. Um, But do you think there'll be extra pressure or a spotlight on him now from outside sources such as as the press? We know what the press can be like around football in this country.
3: I know that the... So the press was really well handled. I'm part of the... um... Uh, LGBT uh, sports journalists group, which is headed up by a guy called John Holmes. He used to work at Sky Sports. He's now freelance. And John worked really closely with Sky uh, to, to manage this coming out. And it worked really well. There was still some quite unhelpful in the days before the, the famous silhouetted footballer, um, Getty stock image that's going around going, who is it? And that's really unhelpful because that puts pressure on, on footballers in general. You know, you don't want to encourage that, um, that guessing game. And, um, there will there's two sides to this yes there will be pressure on him because what you hope doesn't happen is say his form were to dip and then you get the awful things of people saying oh well he needs to be concentrating on his football which is very <laughs> easy for straight people to it's talk so about it's pathetic that isn't it yeah when you've never had a secret like that hanging over you and trust me it is bad but he said in his interview that he told i think it was his mum and his sister and then he went out and scored four um i, I can tell you uh I, you know i've long suffered with with mental health, and it's something I have to manage, uh, and that's uh, you know I went through therapy, and that was caused by five six years of of hiding who I am, and I became happier in my life and healthier in my life when I didn't have to hide something massive. We all feel a bit awkward, don't we, if we've got something big to tell someone and we haven't managed to quite do it yet? Well, imagine if that's something that affects every single part of your life. So. I personally hope that the 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 burden being lifted often will give him that freedom to to go and play and be himself, and I hope that will you know there will be tough moments and I hope as i i spoke earlier in the part about how fascinated I am by the sort of sports psychology of yeah. football I'm sure he'll have help there. I hope that having this burden lifted means he will go and score another four goals and as I say, the test will come as if the form were to drop or anything like that and by the way, if his form drops, that's not because he's gay, lads. That's because um, that because uh, <laughs> he's that a football happens. player. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, I just think it's 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 kind of exactly what you say. And we hope that that Gary Lineker's right in his comments that he will be universally accepted. But one paper has said that him coming out will have a domino effect. Do you agree with that, Christian? Do you think that that's
3: something that we'll see happen? It's 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 very easy for them to say that, and I, and it's probably written in very. Um, it's written in good faith I should imagine um none of us know what I don't think was helpful is the position we'd got into certain pundits going on the radio and tv and saying, oh well there are loads of gay players and it's shocking that they've not come out this should be a thing for people to do in their own time and in their own way and Jake felt now was the time and that's great just because Jake felt that now is the time, you know, mathematically speaking, if you count up all the players in the, in, in you know, going from the Premier League to League Two, of course, mathematically speaking, there will be other gay players. And, and you know, there's always rumours around that, um that in, within football club circles, there are players who are out, but just not publicly. We've heard those rumours for a long time. But just because Jake has made it his moment now, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that others will feel as comfortable. It might, but it might not. So while those stories are probably written with good intentions. They don't know that, do they? It might be another five years before someone else feels as confident enough to come out. What will help is I think if, let's check back in in six months' time and actually it's almost not been a thing. Jake's carried on. He carries on getting, he's 17. He's fresh out of the academy. He starts getting, um, you know, <laughs> typical young academy player who scores a few goals. He starts doing all right. Someone like Wolves start to sniff around him in the <laughs> Premier League and, you know, is is career ticks along nicely that's the best thing that could happen almost the fact he's he's his gaze sort of a, a bit for, forgotten about that will help because then someone else might think okay well I can do it so we will see is the spectacularly on the fence answer to that question because frankly we don't know uh it'd be it'd be nice wouldn't it It'd be nice if more people feel comfortable to be who they are but we don't know and and we just need to try and make football a welcoming environment so when they are ready they are ready and as I say that goes back to just thinking about the language you're using at football and maybe realising that something that's uh, just a bit of banter to you actually might really be more significant to someone going through an awful lot you know as I say reporting people on Twitter and just trying to make it a bit better place it's get, you Say the same goes with racism on those, on those platforms we've just got to try and pull together as a football community and as football fans and um, you know it'd be lovely if in the first away match you plays if the, uh, you know, the home crowd give them an extra little clap wouldn't it just you know just it'd, it'd be lovely you know as, as we've seen when other players have gone through difficulties and whatever uh period, periods of their life you look at the standing ovation for uh Cristiano Ronaldo bless him he went through an awful tragedy and how how fans rallied around him and when he was going through a tough time he just hoped there'd be little things like that all that, that would help we're just got to try and make football um you know a welcoming place
1: to be I totally agree and the fact that jake daniels is the first openly gay player in english football since justin fashion who came out in 1990 i think that's quite poignant in itself because um it was tragic what happened to justin in his life and and, you know we have moved on in in 30 odd years and we're not quite there yet in my personal opinion but there's still sort of good strides being made so just finally on this christian is it a, a feeling of pride a feeling of hope a feeling of um relief to an extent
3: in many ways this story isn't about me Niall um but (laughs) but um of course of course I personally feel a great deal of emotion towards it and as I say I only realized that once people started asking me to talk about it when the BBC started asking me to talk about it and the reason I feel emotion is because as I say you just think we we all look back at our lives and think oh you know that would have been easier if that had happened or that hadn't happened and I just think Well, if I would had that role model to look up to as a 14-year-old at Leicester City, good Lord, things might have been a lot easier for me. So that's one feeling. I'm just, I've never met Jake, uh, you know, I probably never will, I hope I do at some point, but I'm just so exceptionally proud of him. As I say, I felt the pressure when I started to sort of be out and openly gay on social media as someone that works for a radio station with plenty of people listening to it. And as someone who interviews Formula One drivers and footballers like I do, you, you feel a bit of pressure being openly gay. And I, I certainly remember going into football press conferences and they're quite macho environments and thinking, oh, people know I'm gay, is this, is this OK? And so, God, the pressure that you must have felt when you actually, you're not just going to a press, not just going to a championship press conference... But, but playing as a championship player, I'm just so proud of him, and as I say, I I I think he's an inspir he is an inspiration.
1: Yeah, brilliant. Jake Daniels' story is is certainly inspirational, as Christian rightly says. And you can hear Christian and uh, Jack Murley, both of the BBC, talking on that podcast. Five minutes with it's five minutes on Jake Daniels and the uh, the story that we've seen this week. You can find that podcast on BBC Sounds. Right, we're going to take another short break now. We're going to talk about the latest transfer gossip next. News around. Christians Club Leicester as well as Brighton and Manchester City as well. We'll do it next after this.
0: Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. BGW Group. Void broker prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then
2: Judy discovered chumbacasino.com.
0: It's my little escape.
2: Now Judy's the life of the party.
0: Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon.
2: Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.
1: This is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Welcome back. My name's Niall. I've got Christian and Matt alongside me and we're going to finish the show by looking at some of the gossip on the back pages when it comes to the transfer news in the Premier League. And we'll begin with the Daily Mail who report that your club, Matt, Manchester City, are interested in Brighton and Hove Albion's scampering Spanish defender Mark Cucurea. He was uh, someone who certainly caught the eye with his bushy hair. Have you been impressed with him this season? And do you think he'll fit in at City if this is to be uh, a move that takes place?
2: Oh, I was more impressed when he slammed one into the roof of the net against Man United. Um, <laughs> but he seems to just be just one of these, these lads that are just consistently good, like a, a 7 out of 10 on a weekly basis. Um, he was actually born in Catalonia, obviously Pep Guardiola, Catalonian. So that might have some sort of like figure into it. Um, Manchester City this season um, we've struggled at left back obviously we've had Jao Cancelo who's naturally right sided coming at left back can be absolutely fantastic Zinchenko comes in and always does the business he always does the simple things right Zinchenko but having said that we need we need backup there because we've seen with Manchester City's defensive issues this season with injuries we need players that are going to be able to come in and, and fill these, these, these slots and be a part of the squad because Manchester City next season are going to be challenging for all four trophies again, and to be able to do that, you need to have a good squad, squad depth, and Marco Cucurella would be able to come in and do a good job for me. I mean, he's at Brighton Hull, Valby, and Hove Albion now, the sat tenth in the league. Um, obviously it's a massive step up, but Graham Potter plays a nice brand of football, and he likes to get fullbacks up the pitch and involved in the attack, like we've seen with the goal against Man United. Obviously, we know Pep Guardiola likes to do the exact same thing. Obviously, not this exact same style of football, but in terms of the way the football fullbacks like to get involved in the attacks, then yeah, he'd, he'd fit right in. And if it didn't work for him in the first season, like sort of like what happened with Jack Grealish this season, and um, it happened with Cancelo when he first signed, like no panic buttons being pressed. We know it's um, a difficult environment to go into, going from a club like Aston Villa or like like Brighton, going into a a team full of these like sort of like stars, world class players. Um, They need time to bed in and to get used to the tactics and to get used to the different environments. So if Marco Cucaire does come to Manchester City, I'll welcome him with open arms, and the fans will welcome with open arms as well. And he will be a great addition to the squad. And at 30 million. I mean, we're talking 10, 15 years ago, a lot of money for a left-back. But now, with the way the market's inflated, you're seeing full-backs go like, sort of more and more up in price because of the, the importance that they have now to the way the teams, uh, especially the top attacking teams in the world, they use full-backs this is where they are. It's not like years ago. Like with like with Gary Neville always says, no one wanted to be a right back. No one wanted to be a Gary Neville. You see all these these um, these young kids now, and they want to be wing backs. They want to be full backs because they're very very important to the way the modern football is now. So if Marco Cuquera comes, I'd, I'd be absolutely buzzing with that. And yeah, he'd be a great addition to the squad.
1: Yeah, you mentioned that goal against Manchester United, and actually he played on the left side of a back three in that game. And Brighton are very versatile in their system, and you know no one really expected him to be able to do a job on the left of a back three and as well as fullback. So uh, he's certainly someone who who can play in different positions, and there will net. Na- versatile, yeah, absolutely, and there will be naturally people Christian who scoff because he's a Brighton player, and Manchester City might be looking at other top players from European clubs but you only have to look at someone like Nathan Ake who's come in this season and done very very well after arriving from Bournemouth a couple of years ago so is it just a case of trust in Pep Guardiola he seems to
3: know what he's doing Trust trust in Pep and trust in in clubs like Manchester City's scouting systems they'll have watched a lot of him they'll have a lot of notes I think it's a really clever signing because um, you only need to look at clubs like Leicester this year to realise how much a lack of defensive cover can derail a season. And of course, you could say that in any uh, you know, in any of the four main positions, but you don't want to be struggling for your defence. We see how much of an impact it has on derailing an entire season when clubs end up trying to score more than they concede. And um, K.A. might not come in and, and, and get straight in the team straight away, but having that quality backup is so important for, as Matt says, teams trying to compete in all four leagues again it shows you what the teams trying to break into the top four are up against because they you know clubs like man city have got the um you know have got the pockets to be able to go and say okay well we're bringing this really you know a, a promising looking guy for 30 million quid as backup whereas you look at teams like leicester who are trying to sort of bolster their defense and so they haven't got that 30 million to spend this is why teams like man city um, uh, you know, uh, uh, you why know, well, managers like Pep Guardiola are so switched on because they're, they're almost anticipating problems before they come round. The only question mark is, as as we've as we already touched on, going from that, I believe it is such a big jump going from a Brighton, Wool, Southampton, Leicester to a Manchester City. Uh, but you've just got to have faith in the system, and Nathan Acky is a great example of where it can work well. Harry Maguire is, is an example of where it can work not so well. Um, but no, I, he's got he's got all the hallmarks of a Man City player for me, and I'm really impressed with players that can alter their position from that left back or that left wing back position and drop into a sort of centre back three. It just shows a bit of a footballing brain. I think when you're playing as part of a three, you've sort of got to be one step ahead in your positioning. And, and, and really think about your defensive positioning as opposed to when you are playing that slightly more attacking my wing-back position is something Christian Fuchs was always able to do really well for Leicester because he was such a clever footballer um, and, he, and he seems to have that I think that's a really valuable thing to have in your team because all of a sudden you've got four or five def- uh, uh, defenders out and you need to switch to a back three well, when you're playing twice in a week and you've got a Champions League game on Tuesday well, what, a, what a valuable thing that is for Pep to have I think it's a really clever looking signing
1: Yeah, I think Kukurea as well has recently won an award at Brighton's end of season awards ceremony. I think he won player of the season. So there is a question as to whether if he does go to Manchester City, as the Daily Mail is suggesting today, Will he play every game rather than at Brighton where he does start pretty much every game? He's probably not going to get as many games with, as Matt rightly points out, Zinchenko and Cancelo in amongst it as well in competition for places. But that's the latest on the back pages of the Daily Mail. Let's move to the Mirror now, where West Ham United are allegedly eyeing a move for Watford's Emmanuel Dennis following the Hornets' relegation. He's got 10 goals and 6 assists, Matt, in a side that went down this season. And for me, despite the fact that they're above Norwich in the table, I think Watford have been the worst side in the Premier League this season. Not that my opinion counts for much, but anyway, (laughs) has he earned a chance somewhere else in the Premier League is my question.
2: Yeah, I think he's been um, a shining light in what's been like sort of like a thunderstorm of a season in terms of the way the football's been for Watford. I think he's got the quality to stay in the Premier League. I think the Championship would be a, a, a big step down for him. And like he was talking about, 10 goals, 6 assists in the Premier League, is not easy, especially in a side like Watford, that have just like, I don't know, It's it's been just one of these seasons where they can go and beat a team, well, I mean, Man United aren't much scout this season, are they? Let's be real. I mean, they beat Man United, was it with 4-1 at home this season? Um, and he was one of the shining lights in that game. He was he was really good in that game, and you know he's 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 done himself proud. Obviously, it's a team game. We all know that, and it's not about individuals. But from an individual point of view, Emmanuel Dennis probably has earned himself a move to stay into the Premier League. And obviously, there's a, a management change up now at Watford, and there's going to be a few ins and outs. There's going to be players that want out, not just Emmanuel Dennis and. Yeah, um, is it the Forest Green Rovers manager? Um, he's he's Robert gone there. Edwards. Yeah, yeah, Rob mm. Edwards. Yeah, he's gone there now. Hasn't he? So he he he, he might not even fancy it. it. Would it would be strange if he didn't fancy him in that respect? Like, because he's a fantastic footballer, he's got all the qualities that you want in your team. But does Emmanuel Dennis fancy staying at Watford? I don't think so. And I think it would be a, a good move for some some club in the Premier League. Absolutely.
1: This is this is where we see the relegation clauses and. You know, those sorts of things in contracts starting to bubble to the surface um, in these sort of stages of the season where the chance window will be open in only a few weeks. And I think it's natural. We've seen it, Christian, over the last few seasons, that teams that go down, you often see their best players um, get picked off. Uh, I think that's just a natural part of the Premier League food chain, don't you think?
3: Yeah, it is. And I think if you, I do often think there's something to be slightly wary of, of signing players that have, of signing a few players if teams come and pick so if a team have gone down had a really bad season you cherry pick two or three players that have been around that negativity I I sometimes think there's a bit of a risk involved there in terms of momentum in terms of mentality I, I don't see that with this as you say those stats in that dreadful Watford team and I know I'm not going to be offending any Watford fans like I was worrying about offending Southampton fans but although they'll agree late. you know <laughs> what's oh, going to they happen they're going to no. come back
1: and say you're still bitter about Deeney's goal in the playoffs <laughs> <laughs> that's what's going to happen
2: still, still have nightmares about it yeah but well, I'm and sure that Le- winning the Premier League two seasons later sort of softened
3: the blow Matt I was going to say in that I mean we, that, we could do a whole podcast on it couldn't we the weird, but again without um without that I don't think we'd have won the Premier League so yeah um. But no, I think it seems a very logical signing because that you look at West Ham, sat seventh in the Premier League at the moment, you, you uh, suspect they will be playing European football again next season. And once again, I can draw on Leicester experiences because I, I think a reason we haven't had as good season as last year is because um, of that quality and depth, particularly defensively for Leicester, uh, when you are competing in those competitions. And to me the ability because because you know all these teams in that sort of part of the premier league going from sort of united in 6th down are struggling for cash post covid so if you can pick up a player that is um that is not going to cost you an awful lot of money because of the relegation and has scored 10 premier league goals that's an incredibly logical signing to make um i know west i know a lot of west ham fans who tend to have slight, if I'm being honest, delusions of grandeur and whether they're going to get too excited about a sign. I think a lot of West Ham players want to be linked with big names and whether he is that big name, I don't know, but I would, I think it's a very clever signing. I think it's an astute signing for a team like West Ham who are probably going to be in Europa League football again next season, as well as going to be in that very competitive upper midfield area of the league where you, you know, where a couple of injuries can really throw you off in your sort of efforts to get into the top six, seven.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that actually this will be quite a good move for West Ham. Emmanuel Dennis from Watford to West Ham is on the cards, according to the Mirror. And let's focus on Leicester City then, Christian. You touched upon them a minute ago your team multiple sources are claiming that the foxes want to make adam ola lookman's loan move from german club leipzig a permanent one the the reported fee is about 14 million that's kind of an average from a few different sources have you been impressed with him in what's been a sort of a, a disappointing leicester side this season
3: i've been relatively impressed with him um but I think it's been a really difficult year to come into Leicester City and make an impact. And Matt spoke about first season syndrome in a club like Man City. I think there's an element of that this year. We've There's been so many games where Leicester have put pressure on themselves defensively. Everything revolves around the defence this year for Leicester. We have given the ball, you know, I've seen some of the worst Leicester displays since coming into the Premier League, (laughs) since being promoted five or six years ago, whatever it was, this season, by just giving the ball away and putting pressure on the back four and not being able to defend set pieces. And a backdrop of that coming into a football club, I think it's difficult to come in and make an impact. Um, He's still got six goals. When you then think that next year, okay, hopefully we can bolster the defensive options hopefully not concede from a corner every flipping week. Um, you, you think <laughs> oh, it might be a... Oh, don't, don't. I have nightmares at corners. Uh, I don't know why managers aren't just saying the way to beat Leicester is just go and knock it against them. Just I was, go and knock it against get a corner. That, anyway, I've been... I was there...
1: Christian I was there in the Stadio Olimpico when Ricardo Pereira was marking oh, Tammy no. Abraham and <laughs> I couldn't imagine how the Leicester fans no, are feeling I, I,
3: there was a <laughs> game against Arsenal a few years ago and I remember um, uh, and, and Shinji Okazaki scored and I remember a tweet doing really well that was like uh, why on earth is a 5 foot 2 Japanese man unable to score a header against us at a corner when Arsenal were having Troubles with corners and there's been that many times this season where I've looked and gone, How oh, is this being allowed to happen? But anyway, um <laughs> yeah, I, I would th- I think Luckman is worth another go for for two reasons. One, because just been it's been such a disrupted team for Leicester this season. I, I think he is worthy of another go at settling into a team that doesn't give the ball away as often, that doesn't put ourselves into so much pressure, that doesn't find itself chasing the game so often. But also, um a- again, l- Again, I say that that group of teams from seventh downwards, your squad means everything. You can be, you know, there's so, I don't think there's much in West Ham Wolves, Leicester Brighton this year. But again, Leicester, if they haven't had the injuries, I believe would have been quite firmly ahead of those teams. So I don't think, again, money's quite tight for these football clubs post-Covid. For that money being talked about, I think that's. I think it's worth a go. To be honest with you, I don't see if we're going to get rid of him and look for backup to the likes of Barnes, who we're going to get. And then you go through another thing of it being in their first season. I think give him that um, stability of a second season. I think it's a.
2: I think it's a logical move to me. Obviously, Vardy's getting on now a little bit. What's your take on Leicester's like sort of striker situation? Obviously, we're talking about Luckman there. He impressed me at Charlton, um, Everton. He's been at Leipzig as well, and you know he's been at some really big clubs. But what happens now with Vardy? Because he's not getting any younger. And what? Obviously, you're not going to sign another player from you know like Fleetwood or something like no. that for a million. He could come in and score over 100 Premier League goals for you. So where do you go from there?
3: I wish. So Jamie Vardy is the eighth top scorer in the Premier League. He scored 14 goals, and I can't remember the stat. I saw it the other day, but it's something off like 17-18 appearances in the Premier League. So he will still score goals and that will carry on next season. But as players who reach their sort of 37 mark start, 36-37 mark start, you know, they start to pick up injuries. So I think that will be such a massive thing on Brendan Rodgers' mind. Um, it's been really frustrating, collecting Inaccio this season, someone you know well, Matt, because at the back end of last season, he was in phenomenal form. And then right from the first game of this season, he didn't start. And you're thinking... Uh, Why is that? And for whatever reason, Kelechi hasn't been able to push on this season. But is again, someone you wouldn't quite write off. Likewise, almost everything I said about Luckman, you can slightly say about Daka. He's come in, looked bright, scored some really good goals, particularly in the European competitions we've played in, but just hasn't quite been able to grab the shirt and own that striking position. Uh, I think... In an ideal world, Leicester would look to bring in a striker because you're right, Matt, we need that replacement for Jamie Vardy and we need him now, but none of the two lads in the position at the moment are quite doing enough to properly stake a claim. How much money is there going to be available to go and find someone like that? It wouldn't surprise me if, therefore, that Daka and Iheanacho and Vardy are the three again next season. But what he would say is, we haven't struggled to score goals this season. That hasn't the been the issue. Has been the problem in it. Uh, yeah, so it's something that will be on the mind. But for me, I, we need we need centre backs and we need defensive cover. That's that's the big one. (laughs)
1: Fingers crossed from your perspective, Christian. That brings to a close today's episode of Football Social Daily. Thanks for listening in. Don't forget if you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss an episode of the show. Only a handful of daily podcasts left before Sunday, where it's the final day of another Premier League season. Will it be Manchester City or will it be Liverpool who lift the title? Matt will be hoping that it's Manchester City. Christian, I'm sure, will be enjoying his dead rubber game uh, involving Leicester City, (laughs) getting his feet up and chilling out. It's been great to have you on, Christian where can people find you on social media and, and check out what you've been up to
3: I am at Chris Hugh which is H-E-W-G-I-L-L, Uh and I very much enjoyed being on thank you very much for having me
1: pleasure hopefully have you back soon I won't give out Matt's social media uh, <laughs> particularly if you're a Southampton fan because <laughs> you'll, you'll end up <laughs> 30, Oh, they will be turning up at my house you'll be, you'll be blocking him you'll be blocking him instantly right that's it from Football Social Daily today don't forget as I say hit subscribe and we'll catch you again tomorrow
0: football's social daily find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk okay round two name something that's
1: not boring
0: laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh
1: ah sorry we were looking for chumba casino